Where Three Waters Meet A new collection of short stories written and read by author Sylvia Cullen based around the theme of survival. This series has been funded and supported by Wexford County Council in partnership with Creative Ireland. The third story in the series is called Little Miss Quill and Mr Sinnott. This day, Essie and Ibar would depart for Wexford Town, passing the foul stench from the potato fields with their blackened crop of stalks. After more than 50 years of coupledom, walking would be how they would spend their last few hours properly together. Trudging out of Drina with St George's Channel on their right hand, the midday sun at their back, the white mountain off in the distance to the west, and straight ahead to the north, the starving populace and that place. Neither could bear to speak its name. Essie glanced over at her man. He had bartered his waistcoat for food long ago, retaining only his shirt and ragged moleskin trousers, his heavy frieze greatcoat, along with his signature top hat. The stockings were long gone and his bare ankles pained her. He was gone so thin lately that it was hanging off his frame more like a woman's robe. In his right-hand pocket rattled the punched hazelnut, his first love token from Essie that had survived inside in his pocket, carefully preserved down through the decades, wrapped in a strip of linen. Essie had watched him finger the little nutshell lately during these bleak November nights, repeating the words she had whispered that day as she put the hazel into his palm. Facing what could no longer be avoided now, Essie extended her bony fingers and Ibar pulled his hardy woman to her feet. They looked around the dilapidated cabin, the last of the embers barely glowing. Wordless, they set off together. Rounding a corner, Essie spotted her first, a middling-sized woman, head to foot in a black woollen shawl, like a moving emblem of doom. The silver of her hair framed her manly face and the expression there was something fierce. She stepped out full into the roadway, demanding to know what had them heading into the town in the name of God. Hadn't they heard of the outbreak that was killing all before it, spreading like a gorse fire? Essie hesitated now, eyeing this stranger, a crow woman. In her gut, she could feel herself faltering against their last and only hope for survival. Cholera morbus, the woman shuddered. "'Tis raging across the town. Seventeen fires quenched in Selsker alone, never to be lit again. And she raised her long black shawl up over her mouth, covering lips, nose, cheekbones and ears, until all that was left exposed were her two piercing blue eyes, glowering at the petrified couple from under her silver brows. And Kinch, day and night on the prowl. Kinch? queried Essie. The corpse gatherer. Sodden with drink, he leads his cart about the town, singing and keeping a sharp lookout. Gets ten shillings a body. Took the red fever when he was young, so he feels safe enough. 
Raising a withered finger, she rasped. The seashore is where I'm headed, the waters of Helen's Bay, in the hopes of finding a whimbrel's egg or a bit of sea beat along the shoreline. With that, she glided past them, as if some invisible conveyance was bearing her away to the south. The couple turned to watch her go, staring after her disappearing form. We have no choice left us now. Essie made it sound gentle. Cholera or no, where else have we to turn? Ibar looked at her furrowed brow, framed by the white lace cap. She was four foot nothing when they courted, and now, not even that. Her lips curled, smiling encouragingly, though her brown eyes were pools of worry. Has to be done. She said the words, taking hold of his hand, and the pair of them shuffled forward together towards the sickening town, sharing a hundred and thirty-five years between them. By mid-afternoon they were traversing Farnog, with the salt sea air buoying them along. Ibar was leaning into his walking stick with Essie on his arm, and they kind of dragged one another forwards along the road. Arriving in front of the huge wooden door, the light was behind them now, and grey shadows moved across the brick building towering over them. Three stories, with countless little faces staring down from behind the thin panes of glass. Essie squeezed Ibar's hand and stood on tippy-toe to kiss him on the mouth. On the verge of collapse, they pressed exhausted foreheads together. Slowly the heavy wooden door was pulled open. Ibar stood aside to allow Essie walk in before him like a tiny queen beneath her purple shawl. Then he crossed the threshold behind her, removing his top hat. You, Mr Sinnott, the warden will escort you into the male quarters. Now, off you go. The bulky matron spoke brusquely before turning to Essie and sighing. Bring little Miss Quill into the washroom and get her stripped, scrubbed and combed. Looks like a banshee skeleton. All the safe jobs in the poorhouse were taken, so the master instructed that Ibar would have to go back out amongst the populace and clean the streets of the town. Herded into the yard, the gang of men were carted as far as the bullring and Ibar came to enjoy these little jaunts. He pictured Essie at work in the bakery, no longer the smell of dried rose hips, but the dust of flour in her white hair. At least she was in the dry and the warm. At the top of Abbey Street, Ibar fell into step with a young fellow from Cross Abeg. This lad had been doing street cleaning for three days solid, and they worked well alongside one another. Give us a drink there, will you? Gladly, mister. The youth was constantly gulping and slugging from a fancy leather drinking vessel. "'Twas a present sent from Newfoundland. My brother went over in forty-six. Ibar drank deeply. <sighs> Reminds me of the crystal water we used to get from the spring below Andrina, like taste and tears from the great beyond. The men worked on, and Ibar found he could just about keep up, using his brush to scrub while passers-by scurried about their business. If he could stagger on till Saturday evening, he'd have Sunday to recover his strength. 
get a message to Essie and maybe meet her below on the sea road. Hold her hand. The young man jolted him. Ibar was falling behind. He'd have to keep up or he'd be reported. No way you could shirk your work in the Union. Thursday came and the young fellow was nowhere to be seen. Ibar was carted into town with the gang of men when he overheard some of them speaking about that lad from Crossabeg, commenting on how he went quite quick in the end, dead and buried now out in the pauper's graveyard. Cholera! Ibar made himself speak out the word. Aye, they couldn't get him out of the workhouse fast enough. Died in a matter of hours below in the fever hospital. The drinking vessel. Why, oh, why had he asked to share it? Ibar choked with fear as he looked down at his hands for signs. Was death coming for him? Trudging to work, he thought he could feel himself drying out from the inside. Later, he waited by the bakery door and begged one of the young girls going in to get a message to Miss Quill. Ibar's friend had contracted the black fever, but if she came into town on the morrow, they could speak to one another. At Kaiser's Lane, the old covered archway. All that mattered was to see Essie one last time. They could say their goodbyes at a distance. The girl stared fearfully, masking her face with her shawl. Backing away, she agreed to pass on the message, then turned on her heel. Ibar swung around and met the eyes of the matron like streaks of fury blazing into his own. A man had no business anywhere near the bakery door. Ibar stumbled off. Essie was running. She wiped the tears from her face as she moved, marvelling that she could still produce them given that she'd wept all night. Hurtling along, she gathered her skirts and pushed on for the town. Matron had been loath to release her, but couldn't fault the work she'd done, forfeiting breakfast to make an early start. Nearing the quays, she spotted a man coming along in an ass and car. She hailed him and he nodded to her to haul herself up on the back, alongside a few others, shadows of men, going to break stones for some new road. Clutching at her grey workhouse shawl, Essie looked out over the estuary and the silver sea a balm to her eyes. Ibar groaned, looking down at his blackening palms. Steadying himself, he moved along South Main Street, the way a calf with the staggers might lurch and fall. Approaching the narrow lane, he became aware of a quick-eyed man skulking behind and watching his progress. Their eyes met and the man went scuttling off. Ibar gripped the archway entrance and had to bend almost double to fold himself under and in. She wasn't there. His heart sank and he could feel all the strength drain away as he let himself collapse onto the stone steps. His eyes flickered closed and he felt a shudder take hold of his body. Essie spied him collapsed in the laneway, his blackened face as dark as their kettle. Quelling her fear of the cholera, she moved within an arm's length and grasped his hand. Ibar, I'm here beside you. He couldn't answer. Then 
He heard the words, the same ones she had used when presenting him with the hazelnut love token at fifteen. My other. Now it was his turn to place the hazel into her palm. Pocketing it wordlessly, Essie squeezed his hand hard, trying to force him back to life. Realising that his strength was leaving him, she removed his top hat and gently stroked the crown of his head, covering his forehead with kisses, forgetting herself completely, the fear of disease all gone. Miss Quill! Ibar suddenly shouted into the archway and the sound of his voice echoed all around the little covered lane. Passers-by risked a look in and seeing the tiny woman cradling the head of this ailing man, they blessed themselves in fright and moved on quickly. Impeding their way was a donkey and wooden cart, brought to a halt blocking the entrance to Kaiser's Lane. Ibar was no more. Essie went to wail, but only a silent stream of breath met the cold stones of the walls. Five decades, hand in hand, finished. Down in there, man's after dying under the archway. Essie was too late to separate herself in time. Kinch stuck his head under the arch, grey eyes lighting up. A double hall, the corpse-gatherer leered in his own mind. With Ibar already dead, he lunged to grab hold of Essie, the way she wouldn't get away in him. I'm not to be taken. I'm only saying a few prayers over him. Ma'am, you'll be wanting to see where he's buried. The way you'll be able to mourn him good and proper when all this plague has passed. He nodded behind him at the sanitation man who wrote in his notebook before slinking off, satisfied the death cart was now full. Hoisting Essie up, Kinch pushed her roughly into his cart in amongst the several corpses, already stiff and twisted in death. Horrified, Essie put out her arms to save Ibar's head as his body was thrust in after her. She clutched on to his top hat, afraid the wind might take it. Kinch bolted the flap at the back of the cart and with the high sides, Essie was trapped. She felt fear sicken her as they bumped along heading out of town for the cholera ground. Kinch started up a loud song, swigging away at his bottle in between verses, while overhead the gaunt November trees passed by. The world was upside down, and those bare branches seemed to Essie like bones against the darkening sky. In cool cots they shuddered to a halt, and there was the screech of a gate being scraped open. The cart rumbled on before coming to a stop in the farthest corner, under the limbs of a mountain ash. Kinch's inflamed face appeared overhead. Sir, I've not taken the cholera. I'm not infected, I say. Kinch brought his face further towards her, a coarse smile spreading. I have orders to put you down, and it's down you must go. He started to her right, dragging corpses off the cart. Then came the hollow sound as they were flung to the ground, hitting it hard away to her left. Ibar's body was taken from her and a wail broke free from her lips. 
Essie tried to raise herself up now, to check whereabouts in the plague pit he'd been put, see was there some way she herself could get thrown onto the same place. Next of all, Kinch's hand was around her ankle and she was grabbed like a sack of meal, thrown into the field of bodies. After more corpses rained down, the cart was emptied out. Kinch paused, drawing forth his shovel. Mister, I'm not dying. The sanitation man seen you and he says you are. Kinch rammed his shovel in the clay and proceeded to shower Essie and the adjacent cadavers. She hid her face under Ibar's top hat as the soil fell left and right. Turning her head, she breathed into the shelter of the soft, worn fabric. The falls of earth continued, and the corpse-gatherer sang louder, pitching on the soil till there was no living sign of little Essie Quill. No sound, only blackbirds rowing in the ditch. Kinch fired his shovel into the cart and got the donkey on the move out the gate, heading downhill towards the taverns. Quietness descended over the cholera ground then, until a scrabbling broke it. Holding tight to Ibar's top hat, Essie used it to burst through the layer of earth peeling herself up out of the plague pit. For a moment she sat among the clay-covered corpses, each breath shearing her lungs. Placing the hat on her head, she adjusted it back so as she could see the path to the gate. Rising onto her two feet, she tottered, swaying to recover her balance. Then, from her pocket, she drew out the little nutshell and put it up to her lips. Stepping from her bed of clay, holding the hat to her head and raising her filthy skirts, little Miss Quill stumbled through the graveyard gate, striking out for the shoreline of Helen's Bay to spend whatever time was left to her by the sea.